Welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is conflict resolution. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching at murdycreative.co to see the best of our products. Follow us, keep up to date with our daily photos, and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use the subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving, personalization options, and exclusive colors on the website, or you can get a blank one on Amazon Prime. All right. So first and foremost, today we are talking about the second half of last week's uh, Tuesday session for my Dale Carnegie, which was conflict resolution and managing conflict in the workplace, which is a great, great lesson. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but I wanted to talk briefly about on Wednesday of last week, <clears throat> we started working on the company planning process. It was myself and Merrill, and we sat down with a pile of sticky notes and worked through a whole bunch of different things. And it was funny because as the process unfolded, there were issues, there were things that I wanted, there were subconscious goals that became apparent. What I had originally thought was the thing I wanted to have happen, the original goal that was in my mind. When we actually laid out all of the things that we were planning on doing, things that we wanted to do, I realized that a lot of them didn't really point towards the goal that I had stated previously. A lot of them didn't actually push us into that direction. They pushed us into a different direction. And so the question became, well, why is that? What are they actually pushing us towards? So we're still in the early phases of the planning process. There's a lot left to go. And I don't want to spoil too much by giving too much of it away. But it was very interesting when I did that process to walk away from it saying, what I thought I wanted to do was not what I wanted to do in reality. And frankly, what I really wanted to do to the subconscious things that I wanted to accomplish, they're actually probably better for the long-term health of the company than what I had in mind. So I'll get into that later. But first, let's talk about managing conflict in the workplace. So I think everyone at some point in their life, if they've ever interacted with humans at any point in time ever, period, has interacted with conflict. It is the side effect of humanity. It is the side effect of living in a broken, fallen, sinful world and being broken, fallen, sinful people. So, unfortunately, a lot of, realistically, what we have to do in life is deal with this conflict, especially as managers or people in leadership positions. A lot of the people that I was watching that I saw on social media over the course of the pandemic said that the reason why all of these big companies, all of these big CEOs want everyone to come back to work and why all the middle management is pushing, pushing them to do so is because all of these big corporations are realizing that the middle management is unnecessary. and. If only that were true, now it's true. Incompetent middle management is useless, and there's a lot of bad managers out there. And frankly, your boss might be a bad manager, so keep that in mind. But your personal experience and the fact that there are bad managers out there and the fact that there's bad middle management out there doesn't mean that middle management doesn't exist for a purpose. And frankly, the purpose that they serve in many ways is this, the managing conflict in the workplace, and also what we talked about last week, which was setting up performance goals, setting up a planning process, figuring out what the plan is for that target. And then realistically, the most important part of middle management is how are we doing at hitting those targets? Now, just to recap briefly, when you talked about smart targets, specific, measurable, attainable, time, uh, results-oriented, time-specific, that smart goal, Marcus, my older brother, did push back a little bit on that. He kind of brought up some issues that they've been having with smart goals and how some of the issues that they're having 
actually has, it's performing the exact opposite approach. Now, after talking with him further, I realize it's because they're not using SMART properly, right? Their specific goals may be fine, but they're not measurable or they may not be attainable. The problem is if you've got goals that are not measurable and are not attainable, that is a perfect recipe to make your best performers they're unhappy, frustrated, poor performing. It's the perfect way to destroy your performance. Because if they can't attain goals, they're not going to feel like they're actually doing anything. They're going to become disheartened. And if the goals aren't measurable, then there's no way to know whether they're attainable and whether you're attaining them. So I'll go more into detail about that when we talk about the planning process. But it is interesting that there are some, some counterpoints to that uh, SMART goals when they're particularly when they're done improperly, they can be very detrimental. And this is where middle management comes in because middle management is designed to deal with conflict and help make sure that we are on track to execute our goals and help coordinate individuals who are necessarily failing at those goals. <clears throat> but let's get into conflict. So I got this handy dandy little uh, worksheet, this, this book that they had that I'm going to kind of read from a little bit because there's some elements of this. It talked about the objectives of, at the end of this conflict was to diagnose conflict within your organization Analyze that your conflict response style, determine the best approaches to other conflict response styles, and apply a variety of strategies to managing and resolving conflict. This was interesting to me because for me, it was, I didn't realize, maybe consciously, I did subconsciously, that there's a lot of different ways that people express conflict. And conflict doesn't always show up the way I express conflict. And that is interesting because I realized when I was doing this that the way I express conflict and the way that I deal with conflict it has to be in line with what everyone else is doing. It has to be, there has to be solutions to that. Otherwise, you don't get anywhere. Here's some fun statistics. Um, there's two, on average, uh, people spend 2.8 hours per week dealing with conflict, dealing with resolving some sort of conflict or dealing with conflict in some way. That amounts to $359 billion in paid labor hours spending doing that. Managers often spend 20 to 40% of their time responding to employee conflict. Workplace conflict is the uh, largest factor in more than half of departures, and it's the result of, and it's the one that results in 90% of firing. Workplace conflict is the decisive factor in more than half of employee departures and over 90% of firings. So this is a big deal. This is a huge problem. So they talk about where does conflict originate in, in the perfect Dale Carnegie way. There is a great acronym which is called PRIDE. Process, roles, interpersonal, direction, external. So obviously, conflict can arise from any of these areas, but process. The conflict arises because the process is bad or because there's something wrong with the process. Frankly, in my opinion, that's one of the best problems to have because that can be fixed. Roles. Where does it, uh, you know, who's, charge, who's in charge of doing this? Where's, what's the, the role dynamic and who's in charge of what? And what's in different people's domains? So that can be a role. If there's not clearly defined roles and there's not clearly defined, you know, aspects of what people are supposed to be doing, that can create confusion, which can then create conflict. Interpersonal. Interpersonal and roles often kind of go hand in hand. The difference between them is that interpersonal is when it's not related to whose job it is or people are doing something outside of their role and it's due to personal behavior, right? So it's interpersonal. And frankly, interpersonal is probably a big problem with most people. That's really the majority of conflict. Um, then there's a conflict that originates from direction, right? A difference in purpose, a difference in which direction are we heading. Maybe that the specific direction of the organization has not been clearly defined and people are going in two different directions because of that. And then external, which is conflict that arises because of things outside of your force, right? That can be inflation, economy, you know, things like that, time, money. Um, so those are the elements of it that they, they talk about a different, different types of conflict uh, response. 
So on the passive passive side, there is avoid, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. Accommodate or oblige. That's the next step up. Then there's the two good ones, which is com compromise and collaborate. It's kind of there's there's two elements to that. Then there's the more on the dictatorial side, which is stand our ground and dictate. Now, obviously, there are times when as leadership, you have to push in a direction that the people under you may not like. That goes back to motivation, explaining why you're doing it, the purpose, the strategic goals, and the collaboration is kind of the best you can get from that. So, you know, it doesn't always have to be as clear, but you want to be as, as clear in these results as you can. Then they talk about the different styles of conflict and different responses to conflict. So, um, and, and there's the, this particular graph, this four quadrant chart is a, is a positive, negative, positive, uh, active, passive. Um, the term positive here is going to talk about, it, it is, is uh, what I would describe as a forward moving, is a, is a progressive kind of attitude, which is the movement forward. It's not positive in like the biblical sense. It's not like the godly good, right? So keep that in mind. Um, so if you got, so on one coordinate, which is the, the positive and the active is the activist. The activist is, they tend to show enthusiasm. They charge ahead into positive action and the problem solving. Sometimes they don't think through all the consequences. This is me. This is how I normally respond to things. If I've got two of my employees that are kind of, they come to me privately, individually and say, Hey, I got a bit of an issue. My natural inclination is boom. Let's talk about it. Come here. Let's talk about this. You talk to this person. Let's talk to this person. Let's resolve this. Let's get this taken care of. Right. That's my style of conflict resolution and my response to conflict. I will admit it has not been good in the past from time to time. There are certain people who do not respond well to coming to someone in private with a problem and then having that problem essentially force the issue. I won't work on that. I've tried to be working on that. And this has been good because there's some elements to this that are important. Then there is the amiables, which is passive and positive. Uh, they tend to be more introspective, think more, say less, and accept the status quo. They often need to be gently pushed into making a stand, right? So this is obviously a good thing, right? These people are working towards the forwarding of, the, of whatever the goal is, um, but they're not necessarily as talkative. The aggressors are active and negative. Uh, they tend to be competitive, appear angry, press their ideas, and charge through obstacles in people. Now, when we think of the aggressors, and I think that there is actually some interesting, like some, the language that's used in this particular phrasing, I think, creates and denotes a bad thing. I think that aggressors can often be, I think the way to think of it is conservative in their thinking. So whereas the activist may want to push towards a goal or push towards something, the aggressor may be more reticent and more resistant to change. Now, to that point, in many ways, an aggressor can be an activist in the opposite direction. That's the way to think of it. They're an activist for the status quo or for what they believe is the right way to do things. Now, in this particular way, they talk about it as a negative because this often does express itself in a negative con context. There's a, there is a negative aspect to the aggressor, and they do respond to things sometimes in poorly negative ways. And then there's the subversive, which is passive and negative. They tend to withhold their negative opinions until later, often quietly undermining people in the process. And we had this wonderful discussion of how do you deal with these people? And it was, the question was posed to us, how do you deal with someone who is an activist and an amiable aggressor? How do you solve that problem? Because each one of these has their problem. And I said, when we came to the subversive, you just fire them. Now, I am not someone who likes to just fire people. Many of you who've known this podcast know that I struggle greatly with the idea of losing people, except for subversive people. 
and I've dealt with subversive people in the past. I've fired people in the past who were subversive, who would say to me, okay, we can do it this way, or maybe they wouldn't say anything, and then later they would just do it their way. Here's the issue with that. If you do not, if you do not solve those problems, those people poison the waterhole. Now, there's a bunch of different things that, talk about, that they talk about beyond this. They talk about filters, which is what are the elements, what are the filters that get in the way of communication between people, right? Um, and here are some internal filters. Personal investment in the issue. Bias based off age, gender, ethnic language, uh, smell, gossip. It can be any of those things. And all of them. There's more. It's just a personal bias towards something. Lifestyle and family. And I'll give you an example of that. If you are a father, right, and you've got a person bringing to you ideas and they're not a father, and you've got somebody bringing you an ideas that, and they are a father, maybe you're more inclined to listen to the person, right? Maybe you're just saying, well, we're a... We're a toy manufacturer, so obviously the guy that has kids is knows more than the guy that doesn't. That's a bias based off lifestyle and family. Position and roles. Maybe you don't want to listen to someone who's under you, right? Maybe the conflict, you know, you're not listening to the people because of their roles or above you. That can happen. I don't want to listen to you. You're, 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 you know, you're, the, you're part of upper management. You don't know anything about what we do here. Uh, medical issues. Sometimes people are, have an internal filter of medic, on a medical issue that can kind of override some of the other things that can create more pressing problems. Uh, technology and comfortable with a specific medium. Maybe you don't respond to people who email you. You're like, I don't know if we're going to talk, we got to talk in person, right? Well, at some level, that is a bias. And someone who's good at emailing or creates a good email may end up, or on the vice versa, maybe you're the kind of person who responds only to email and reads only email and you only wanted an email. And so you're more inclined to listen to the person who writes the best email. That's a bias itself. Um, Then there's external filters, not enough time, who talks first. These are external filters unrelated to those things. So they talk about listening without filters. And this is a different thing, which is the levels of listening. At the bottom, it's ignore, which is exactly what it's not. Like you just, you are not even listening and you're not pretending to listen. The next level up is pretending. You're pretending to listen, but you're not listening. Selective listening is where you, you listen to some things based off of maybe certain keywords that perk your attention, but you're not really listening. Then there's attentive listening, which is that you're, you know, you're, you're actually participating and you're kind of, you know, you're nodding along, you're asking questions maybe. And then there's proactive, which is you initiated the conversation initially and you're like driving the conversation along. Now, obviously the best like actual listening really only is at best proactive, attentive, and maybe selective. Those are only, those are the ones where you're actually listening, pretending and ignoring you're not listening at all. Well, if you wanted to take a guess, only 2% of our communication is of levels of listening is proactive. 10% is attentive and 30% is selective, which means that only 42% of the time when we're listening, we're actively listening. And that's really quite a little, that's not very much. One of the elements of listening that I need to work on, especially, is practice patience. Do not interrupt, finish, or finish the speaker's sentence or change the subject. This is something I struggle with. I always am like, okay, I get it. Let's move on, right? Okay, I know where you're going with this. Press forward, right? Let's not stop, let's stop talking about this. Move on, right? That is not good listening, and it creates a very bad precedent. So this was the interesting thing that I thought was really where we get to this is, oh, my staple fell out, is how do you res- respond to these styles? Now, this is actually the most helpful. So I'm going to just work through these. I know we're getting kind of further along in this from a time perspective, but I really want to cover these. So activists, here's how you respond. Ask about challenges. Be supportive. Praise behavior you want. Do a reality check. Channel their enthusiasm. Press for improvements, even 1%. Reduce idle uh, discussions and get multiple ideas. The get multiple ideas one I really, really like. Because, for example, if someone was coming to me and I was in charge of resolving a conflict, 
and for example, let's say my boss came to me, if I had a boss, and said, these are two employees, you got to resolve their conflict. They're having a problem, solve it. Well, I would just charge right on in. But if my boss said to me, all right, Colin, I want you to come up with three different ways to solve this problem. I could probably come up with three. And at that point, suddenly now, as I'm challenged to come up with multiple solutions, I'm beginning to think through the consequences. Because inherently, when you're coming up with multiple solutions, you start to evaluate what would likely happen and what would the outcome activists. The amiables, how you, how you work with them, how you respond to them. Be encouraging, get, off, get them off the fence, provide suggestions, push them for details, allow them to fill the silence, use open-ended questions, and bring a closure to decisions. I like that one a lot. Aggressors, ask what they think, be direct, use others to influence, allow them to vent, find points of agreement, have a cooling off period, resolve issues in private, let them save face, paraphrase to soften language, and choose your battles. I like that a lot. Now, here's how you're supposed to respond to the subversives. Ironically, this one has the most bullet points. You ask them what to do publicly. It forces them to, to state something. Makes it harder for them to go back on it later. Ask them what to do publicly. Be inquisitive. Withhold your opinions. Press to get the issues vocalized, so make them talk about it. Direct questions to them. Have them offer solutions. Press them to fill the silence. Appeal to their expertise. Get others' points of view. Probe gently for root causes and summarize their statements. Ironically, when I read this, I was like, okay, so maybe there is some solutions to this problem. Now, I still am of the opinion that if you're a subversive person, as from a conflict style, you don't really have a good place at the Murray Creative Company. We have a very open, very honest discussion perspective in the way that we talk about conflict and the way that we talk through things. We, I really, truly want people to, to be open and honest about their issues. And we have had many times where people have brought things to me and I've talked them, talked them through it. But subversive basically says, we're going to undermine the company and not talk about it. And that is not good. Or we're going to undermine that other person, which inherently undermines the company. But these are actually good solutions to some extent. Basically, what you're doing is you're forcing them to pick a side publicly and asking them for a solution so that if you end up going ahead and doing that solution, they can't undermine it later. It's their idea. Or they look stupid undermining it later. It's their idea. Um, they had a bunch of different conflict scenarios, conflict resolution ideas, and I thought these were all really good. And then we're going to have the last, the last one, which is the 12 steps to win a for win-win conflict resolution. Step one, have a positive attitude. Two, meet on mutual ground. Three, clearly define and agree on the issue. Four, do your homework. Take time to plan. Uh, five, take an honest inventory of yourself. Six, look for shared interests. Seven, deal with facts, not emotions. Eight, be honest. Nine, present alternatives and provide evidence. Ten, be an expert communicator. Eight, or sorry, 11, end on a good note. And 12, enjoy the process. So, I thought all of these things were excellent. I really did appreciate them. Um, I'm going to work on implementing a lot of those in the workplace at the Murray Creative Company. All of these things are critical and important. And I know this was a bit of a longer episode, but I think it's too important to, uh, to not talk about. So, take these home with you. Use these things in your workplace with your bosses, with your um, underlings, with whatever the case may be, with your family, with your friends, this is, doesn't end, you know, this doesn't have to just be work. Conflict is everywhere and all around us, and we need to work through these problems. Otherwise, it's just going to be a very tough life. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to check back in Thursday for that next topic. And don't forget to check that subscribe button as well as the notification bell to get notified when our latest podcast goes live.
you have any questions or concerns about your leather binder, journal, folio, accessory, or anything else we sell, please feel free to contact us on the main page of our website at murdycreative.co. You can contact us via Instagram and Facebook. You can text, email, call, direct message, all the usuals. I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible, but I do appreciate your patience. If you have any quick question or you want to place an order over the phone, please feel free to call us at 414-434-9001. We are available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Central Time. You can also text us at that number as well, 414-434-9001. If for whatever reason you don't get a hold of us either during business hours or after hours, please feel free to leave us a voicemail. We do respond to those. We do, uh, do answer them. If you are asking about an order in your voicemail, please include the order number. It does help. It starts with S and then it followed by a bunch of numbers. That does help us kind of triangulate the issue. If you think we deserve it, a good review can go a long way to help us grow a new community. Both a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on, but also a review on the product. If you go to murdycreative.co slash reviews, you can read all of our amazing five-star reviews. If there's, there's a button there that says, leave us a good review, if you'd like, please click on that button. It'll take you to facebook.com slash murdycreative.co slash reviews. You can write all of your amazing reviews. We love them. We read them. They are very, very encouraging for us as a company. If for whatever reason you'd leave us a bad review, there's another button that says get directly in contact with us. It is deeply important to me personally that everyone has a good experience with this company. We will do anything in our power, including refunding, recrafting, replacing. We will take care of you. Please, please, please give us an opportunity to do so before you leave us a bad review. Word of mouth is the best form for advertising, so please tell your friends about the company. If you want to get a little something for doing that, go check out the rewards program that we have built into our website. It's on the left-hand side in the bottom corner. If you click on that little window, it'll open, or the little button, it'll open up a window. When you're logged in, you get 10% back as in-store credit on every purchase, and you get $10 off. Uh, you, if you share that shareable link in that program, uh, your friends get $10 off their first purchase, and you get $10 as in-store credit when they make that purchase. So it's a great way to help the company along. It really does help us, and it helps your friends and family when they do that. If you have any podcast topics you want to hear more about, send them my way. I'm always happy to talk about just about anything, and there's plenty to talk about. So reach out to me, send it either a comment below on YouTube or send us an email, sales at birdiecreative.co. I'd be happy to help. If you're looking for multiple binders, journals, folios, anything we sell for gifts, giveaways, menus, really any reason, uh, we do have bulk discounts available. They are built directly into the cart. Quantity starts at five and the uh, discount goes up from there. So if you want to get your items in your discount, just add whatever you want to your cart, mix and match to your heart's desire. And then once you have the total cart quantity, an automatic discount appropriate for that quantity will be applied. If you're interested in learning more about what those discount levels are, please feel free to send us an email at sales, S-A-L-E-S at murdycreative.co. If you're looking for custom engraved items, we have no minimum order quantities and no setup fees. It's a simple flat fee of $15. It uh, can go up a little bit depending on the complexity and the size. With most of our products, they're available directly on the website through the personalizer. So if you go to whatever product page for whichever product you'd like, there should be a button that says add custom engraving. You click on that, it'll take you to the customizable product and you can add whatever you would like to that and then check out directly there. For a few of our items, they're not, that's not available yet. You can send us an email, sales at murdycreative.co. If you're with, with uh, the request to get something like that customized, we're happy to walk you through that process. Please include your logo. We'll create a custom mock-up for you as well as an order link that you can use to purchase. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great day and goodbye.